This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. One major rail union ratified a tentative labor agreement with the Class 1 railroads. The other rejected it. Out of the dozen rail unions, eight are in favor of the contract, four are not. A strike could happen as soon as early December. Sticking point has been on staffing levels and paid sick time. Congress has been asked by numerous agriculture groups to prevent the strike, while the unions are opposed to congressional intervention. Commodity prices remain elevated going into the Thanksgiving holiday. S&W trading market analyst Andy Schisler says commodity prices are struggling to move higher. You know, we usually have these post-harvest rallies and stuff, and I never thought we'd get one this year, and we did not. And similar to like 12 when we transitioned into 13, the market kind of rallied up as we were on short supplies, you know, right into harvest. Then kind of once things got filled up, the, the market softened into the winter, and that's kind of exactly what's happened here. Um, it's had less effect on the beans because we're still exporting a lot of beans, and like we're on pace with the USDA. So we've been able to keep that going. Schistler says that puts commercial buying under the market. Like the open interest actually increased a little bit on beans here in the last week. <clears throat> Our corn open interest is down and overall open interest year to year is down about 50%. So as as we have an interest rate and other places to move money, you know, to make money, the commodity markets are just not popular. <laughs> so so wheat prices are kind of at their their recent lows. Um corn the same thing. I thought maybe we could bounce midweek. Um I suppose we'll see, you know, if we can bounce tomorrow and try to hold the range here. Commodity prices remain elevated going into the Thanksgiving holiday. Lowen and Associates market analyst Matt Hines expects a slow market this holiday shortened weekend. I would expect markets to be pretty quiet, of course, with uh, being closed on Thursday and then everything shutting down just around 12.05 on Friday. The excitement in the market will be from last week's cattle on feed report. Yeah, finally coming through. Uh, things like, you know, over the past few months, uh, average trade adjustments, we've been, you know, looking for them to come through, and then we'll, we'll get a bearish number. Uh, but this month uh, definitely definitely came in, and also some higher cash-fed cattle trade uh, last week, uh, supportive as well. USDA's weekly export inspections report for the week ending November 17th shows corn inspections down 7% from last week at 495,000 metric tons. That is also 40% less than the same week last year. Soybean inspections at 2.3 million metric tons are 18.5% more than the previous week, but 7% less than the same week a year ago. Wheat inspections at 280,000 tons are 64% more than the previous week and 45% more than the same week last year. For the marketing year, corn inspections are down 30%, soybean inspections are down 10.5%, and wheat inspections are 2% less than last year's export pace. 
Acres and Shares and the Red River Land Company are both reporting additional American Crystal Sugar Beet shares selling last week. Average share price, $4,800 per share. Red River Land Company reports 48 shares selling on Friday and two lots of 24 each. Acres and Shares reporting 98 shares selling over the course of the week. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack addressed farm broadcasters last Friday afternoon at the National Farm Broadcasters Association Convention. Vilsack says the tension between U.S. and Mexico over imports of GM corn is being worked through. I can tell you that Ambassador Salazar and myself have been in constant contact with Mexican officials. I would expect and anticipate that we'll continue uh, to be a very aggressive uh, in making the case uh, to the Mexican president and to his, uh, his cabinet that it is in their best interest, long-term best interest, in terms of food availability, in terms of cost, uh, to continue to find a way to, to allow a GMO corn to be sold into uh, Mexico. We still have time to get this straightened out. Vilsack says Mexico's livestock industry would be hard-pressed to find a source of corn. Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation hosting their annual meeting this past weekend in Bloomington where their priority issues were set for 2023. Farm Bureau plans to focus on six areas including beginning and emergent farmers, clean energy and sustainability, health care accessibility, research and investment, rural connectivity and rural vitality. MFBF President Dan Glessing says their members are excited to begin and continue conversations with lawmakers. We have 78 county or regional farm bureaus that are, are more than well equipped to make those conversations, make those calls, make that connection with those new lawmakers and their current lawmakers if, if they didn't have a change. That's the beauty of Farm Bureau is, is we've got advocates for, for agriculture all over the state and, and we're very fortunate that they can make those connections because at the end of the day, those lawmakers, the elected officials want to hear and try and help because they realize that producing food is an important task and when your food's secure, uh, it, it goes a long ways. The federal court in Minneapolis has consolidated two beef lawsuits into one. The National Farmers Union and RCAF USA filed their lawsuit against the four major beef packers in 2019. Retail groups including Hy-Vee and Kroger filed a similar lawsuit a year later. The plaintiffs are expected to seek class action certification for this case. Leadership of the 2023 Minnesota Legislative Session shaping up. Senator Eric Putman of uh, St. Cloud chairing the Ag Committee and Rural Development Committee. Putnam was first elected in 2020 and is a communications professor at, Saint College, or at the College of St. Benedict's and St. John's University. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Monday news on the Red River Farm Network continues here. South Dakota Farm Bureau hosted their annual convention last week. South Dakota Farm Bureau President Scott Vanderwall says farm bill talk was relatively minimum, but resolutions geared towards agriculture regulations was a big topic. Some of the resolutions that we talked about and worked on in the delegate session included ag regulation. We just had a, a referendum in Sioux Falls that would have prohibited uh, any more packing plants. I think they called it, the actual word they used in the measure was slaughterhouses from zoned into the city of Sioux Falls. And even though the one that was proposed and, and still is proposed, um, even though it met all the zoning regulations and fit all the requirements and did everything that was required, uh, the vote 
uh, if it had passed, would have superseded all that. And and we, our members don't think that's appropriate to pass a resolution to that effect. Vanderwall says the carbon pipeline trying to find ground in South Dakota was also discussed. And then on uh, property rights, um, our, our members did not take an official position for or against the carbon dioxide pipelines that are proposed. Uh, but they did say that the, the use of eminent domain should only be used for uh, something like that or, or basically anything if uh, 50% of the uh, producers that are affected agree to it ahead of time uh, where they wouldn't have uh, eminent domain used against them. So that's kind of our policy on that, and we're going to be watching that situation as it progresses. The Minnesota Farmers Union's annual convention took place this past weekend in Minneapolis. After the announcement of the new Ag Committee chairs in the Minnesota House and Senate, Farmers Union President Gary Wordish said he was looking forward to building on relationships with the new leadership and tackling agriculture issues. Well, I think, you know, we're optimistic that, you know, we can get things done. You know, we've had a good relationship with both Representative Vang and, uh, and uh, Eric Putman on the Senate side. We have good, strong relationships, and, you know, there's a lot of, it's a lot made of the urban rural divide. It's a political issue somewhat. It's used as a political wedge, but, you know, we have good relationships and we have to work together, there's no doubt. Uh, to have a strong rural community, you need the strong metros in the same way. The strong, you know, a strong metro, they need the rural. So it, for to, to be a good, strong state in all facets of our economy, we depend on each other. Over the past week, highly pathogenic avian influenza outbreaks have been reported in six states, including three in commercial facilities. Minnesota reported another outbreak at a turkey farm in Ottertail County that houses over 28,000 birds. Backyard outbreaks across the U.S. are still prominent. North Dakota's last confirmed outbreak was November 10th, where two backyard producers in Montreal and Ward County tested positive for HPAI. National Cattlemen's Beef Association President-elect Todd Wilkinson, who ranches near DeSmet, South Dakota, says despite beef producers gaining more of a premium this year, market transparency and fairness is still a top priority. You know, a couple of big developments. One, obviously the herd reduction has put us in a much better position for negotiation. The other thing that's happened is we, we continue to see more backing facilities come online. Uh, a number of them are in uh, construction right now. Uh, two or three more across the country are going to add to capacity. And when we can get those packers that are not of the major four, I mean, they're independents and, and smaller operation, that really helps the, the average cow-calf producer to uh, be able to get into other markets. And, you, you know, competition is the key. Wilkinson says the addition of more packers the past year or so has diversified where producers can take their beef. When you're limited on where you can sell those cattle and, and who's bidding, uh, it's more difficult. When suddenly there's another player or two that's in the market and the numbers are in your favor, it really puts uh, us in the catbird seat. So I, I have been around the country a lot over the, the last year. And the, the smiles on people's faces coming into this fall have definitely improved. I think there's optimism in the countryside, and that's uh, well warranted. I, I think if we can fight off the regulatory issues, the market itself is going to work in our favor for a change. So 
I'm looking forward to a, a good couple of years here for the for the beef industry. And a friendly reminder, you can hear the latest farm news, weather, podcasts anytime at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture here on the Red River Farm Network. Current litigation is still in the works for California's Proposition 12. National Pork Producers Council Chief Legal Strategist Michael Formica says Proposition 12 is simply government overreach. California is asserting the right to regulate all of these operations that are happening outside of California. And it's such a large market uh, that uh, even if you have no connection with California, your products will eventually going to California. It's 40 million people. 40 million people, I believe it's the seventh largest economy in the world. Um, it, is, it is a massive, massive state. And so we don't want this precedent to be set. Pork producers want the freedom to farm, freedom to operate. Formica is confident NPPC will be successful in their opposition against Proposition 12. But if it were to pass, the overreach would bleed into other ag sectors. We think we're going to be successful. Well, let's just say that right off the start. But the risk is there, and, that, and so that is, that's something that the court you know, clearly recognized. Uh, and so not just for other ag sectors, but it, you know, that, that's a, that is a tremendous risk out there, but really for, you know, for the entirety of the U.S. economy. Think about any, any animal rights issue that's out there. Think about any... All of the issues over irrigation of cropland, you know, uh, water usage you know, for animals, pesticide usage, uh, fertilizer usage. All of these are issues that California might be able to uh, effectively prohibit. Brian Sykes will become the new president and CEO of Cargill as of January 1st, replacing Dave McLannan. Sykes has been with Cargill for 31 years and is currently serving as its chief operating officer. McLannan will become executive chairman of the board and serve in an advisory role. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. December wheat Minneapolis down three and a half at 948. March is down five. Chicago December wheat's down three and a half at 799 and three quarters. Kansas City December wheat's down a quarter of a penny at 934. December corn down six and three quarters at 661. March is down five and a quarter at 665. January soybeans, six and a half cents higher at 1435. March soybeans are six and a half higher at 1439 and three quarters. January canola in Winnipeg's down $12.80 a metric ton, 844.30. December live cattle up 37 cents. January feeders, a dollar and 85 cents higher. This is the Red River Farm Network.